When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Court Street family. In this moment, if it is okay with you, I would like to um, invite you into some of my own cultural traditions as a faith practice. I come from a community of people that the sermon is not a one-sided monologue. We don't do that. We talk to each other. In the middle of a sermon, if we agree with something, we may clap, we may say amen, uh, we may say ouch, depending on how it feels in the moment. You never really know. Um, But I ask that you open your hearts and your minds to the way in which I believe spirit will move in this moment and talk back to me. It's a conversation. I promise. I promise. I don't bite unless it's food because that's a love language. So. You have already heard the reading of the scripture twice now. Um, And I will be honest with you all and say that it is a hard day to, to be both woman and black and preacher. It's a hard day to, I didn't choose the lectionary, right? Uh, The people who gathered our lectionary text this year, I believe they've been in their prayer closets hearing from the Lord. Um, But it is a hard day to compel and invite people into what is supposed to be hopeful, but the way that Jesus kind of describes this is a little crazy. Um, Life. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna do it anyway, because we always have, um, and we will even more so. So I'm also asking for your prayers in this moment as I attempt to be obedient to what I believe the Lord has given me. So this story starts off in the scripture reading, um, speaking of the ways in which 
Jesus is headed towards Jerusalem and there are persons who will not follow him because of where he's headed because Jerusalem is dangerous y'all it's it's a holy place now we've memorialized it but in this in this time and era Jerusalem is a dangerous place and actually currently Jerusalem is a dangerous place and here is supposed to be this great leader this great prophet this alleged son of God, right? Who they don't know if how true it is or isn't. What they do know is that where he's headed, they don't want to go. And the disciples respond that are with him respond in a very visceral reaction and say, Lord, do you want us to call down heaven and just burn everybody up since they're not on your side? Because yes, fighting fire with fire has always been a plausible solution. And Jesus says, no. Um, right. Maybe let's not, let's not do that one. Let's not, let's not call down fire from heaven. Um, let's not fight fire with fire in this moment. And what a gift it is to know, um, that we come from the faith where we serve a savior who has enough sense to know that some fire doesn't have to be fought with fire. Sometimes you can go on about your way. Because frankly, if you are doing the work in this case, in Jesus' case, if you are headed towards Jerusalem, that alone is often fight enough. You don't have to stop the fight in order to fight. Because the real fight would not have been in fire being commanded from heaven. If anything, I feel like calling down fire from heaven in what is already a tense um, sociological context and environment would have just escalated the already brewing tensions that are already there. And that wasn't where the fight was. The fight was never with the people that wouldn't get on board. And I don't believe that that's where our fight is. We are not called to fight with the people that are not interested in getting on board. We are called to go where, in this case, salvation will show up. And so Jesus just rebukes them, and they go on to the next village. And then we get to... Um, what a younger me would have called gangster Jesus, right? Um, this is a Jesus who doesn't play, y'all. This, <laughs> this, this is a Jesus who is not here for the games and the shenanigans, okay? This is a Jesus who has something to do, who has something on his mind, who has to get to where he's going and do what needs to be done, um, and does not, cannot afford to entertain the persons who are not on the plow. And so as a young girl growing up in Galveston, Texas, we would go over to Louisiana, Franklin, Louisiana, and Patterson Parish. That's where my mom's family is from. And there is where I think I learned the most about farming. So I grew up with the song, Keep Your Eyes on the Plow and Hold On. Yes, and it is a, it is a gospel song, some call it a spiritual, that arises in the civil rights movement and era. Um, but if you know anything about that song, you know that those verses don't sound like the most hopeful verses in the world. They actually um, sound a little creepy, right? Like it's Paul and Silas were in jail 
everybody on their tail, but keep your eyes on the plow and hold on. And eight-year-old me is like, wait, what's happening here? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> y'all are a little too excited about this, these terroristic acts. Or um, when my way gets dark at night, I know the Lord will be my light. Keep your eyes on the plow and hold on. You mean that there is a pre-subscribe uh, subscription to a darkness that's dangerous enough to have to ask for the light? And then you say, keep your eye on the plow and hold on. When I get to heaven, going to sing and shout, be nobody there to put me out, which suggests that while I am on earth, there are places that I can be discriminated from. But keep your eyes on the plow and hold on. What levels of what I believe eight-year-old me said insanity do you have to have to write a song in the 60s that is still sung today in a lot of black church contexts that talk about the most dangerous and terroristic scenarios possible. And yet the refrain is keep your eyes or your hands on the plow and hold on. We are We are seeing here a a Jesus who is asking people that if you're really going to do this, you got to be all in. You have to keep your hands on the plow. When you are farming and you are holding a plow and its origin, it was drug by animal. But now we have tractors. Thank God for modern day technology in that way. But it's still heavy, y'all. It's still a pretty heavy instrument. And what is happening with the plow is that the plow is responsible for turning over the soil. And it's hard to turn soil over, especially with the responsibility of planting new seeds. And if you, things I learned the hard way, if you let the plow go while the plow is still actively on, um, on especially on an automated response, apparently if you let the plow go, only one of you is going to fall and it's not going to be the plow. Um, and that it's a far fall and the ground is hard. And if you grew up in a family like mine, just because you fell doesn't mean that you get to stay there. You still have to get back up. <laughs> And climb on top of this massive machine to an eight-year-old and re-engage and get positioned in a way that you will hold on. And you have to keep your hands on the plow long enough for the plow to cover the entirety of whatever your field may be. So here are these people that say, Jesus, I will follow you. I want to go with you. Right. I, I believe in what it is that you're doing. I'm down with the cause. And I, if I'm down, you're down. We're all down. And Jesus says, OK, maybe not OK, but this is my imagination. So you have to take my story. Jesus says, OK, we can do this. But um, birds have nests and foxes have fold with the holes. But the son of man has nowhere to live. Jesus says, I can't even tell you where you're going to be sleeping at night. I can't even guarantee you shelter. And then the man walks away. I'm I'm not exactly mad at him because I too like to sleep inside in a bed. 
with shelter. And you mean to tell me that in order to take up the cause of Christ in this manner, that means putting my home and shelter and respite and livelihood on the line? But I can hear my grandmother saying, yes, so keep your hands (laughs) on the plow. And hold on. And then another man says, comes and he says, Lord, you know, I want to follow you too. Like, I want to go. Where you going? I believe in what it is that you're doing. I know you're about it, about it. That's, that's how my cousins would say, about it, about it, right? You're, you're really into this thing. And I trust it. Um, but first, I need to go and bury my dad. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, right? This is, I'm telling y'all, this is disrespectful gangster Jesus, right? This is, this is Jesus who does not have time to play. Let the dead bury the dead. And eight-year-old me would probably consider that a visceral reaction. 27-year-old me still considers it a visceral reaction until I hold intention that there is always a but first. But first, let me go. But first, let me do. But first, let me get ready. But first, let me talk to. But first, let me handle. But first, let me close. I, of the many sins that I feel like lie on the hands of our country, I would argue that gradualism has to be in the top five. Not saying that anyone is better than the other. What I am suggesting is that if your justice or your moral piety, or your ethics, or frankly, your call to follow and serve Christ is rooted in one thing at a time, one group at a time, one person at a time. We can, o- we can only fix so much at, at, so, at such a pace that is comfortably movable for the systems that we operate in. It might not be real justice or real conviction at all. we'll always have a but first I know what you're asking me to do God but first I know what the next step is but first and we will we will take our but first and ride it out until we almost run out of room energy and steam that it is to do whatever it is that we are being called to do with our hands on the plow. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. And that had to be hard to hear. Um, But I guess the unspoken part is you can go and handle matters of the dead or you can live and handle matters of life. Because the eternal offering is going to come from me anyway. And so Jesus, another one goes on and he's like, I'm, I'm with it. I'm down. Um, but I need to talk to my family first. And Jesus is like, if you got to go talk to your family, then you're not down. And that one for me has to be the hardest to reconcile because who doesn't need to talk to their family whether blood or chosen about the life decisions that they are making if this is a formidable part of their community um but you can amen if you agree or disagree I won't speak for y'all I'll say for me families are kind of crazy 
families are, families are kind of crazy. Um, and families don't always get it, whatever the it is. Um, and families are not always supportive in the ways that we pray that families will be. And even when families are supportive, sometimes what families have the capacity to give is not actually what the need is. Families are not supportive in the ways that we might always need. And there are moments that in order to answer the call to follow Christ, you're not going to be able to have the dinner or breakfast or lunch or coffee conversations with your family. And that's hard. That's a hard thing to to realize that's a hard thing to lean into. That's a hard intersection to exist at, knowing that your family won't always get it, whatever your it is. And yet, if we're going to follow Jesus, apparently that has to have a level of being okay too. There has to be a peace that comes with knowing that even when the family sociologically that you might have known for forever does not completely understand in the family of God, in the body of Christ, in this family, we stay ready so we don't have to get ready. But also, there's room for you here. There's room in the family of God. There, is, there are people who, even if they don't get it, Um, or get you, they will get God. And God has a way of making room for you to answer whatever your call is and whatever your pocket of the world is while holding on to this heavy, loud, rambunctious, tiring, exhausting plow. Working whatever your field is turning over whatever soil you need to, which can't be that bad because, I mean, if he gets to turn over tables, soil is probably the least we can do. Planting whatever seeds need to be planted, removing whatever furrows need to be removed. We, we are called to keep our hands on the plow. Even when it's hard. And so I, I leave you um, with the song of, of my family that says, Hold on, hold on, keep your hands on the plow and hold on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We will now turn to page 580 in our hymnals as we join in this song, Lead On, King Eternal, which I believe, yes, can be found on page 580 as well as on your screen. Will you all stand with me?
And now as we leave this place, but never depart from God's presence, knowing that we are indeed all beloved community of a God who is strong enough to apparently let us take plows and turn soil over and plant seeds and work in our pockets of the field to that God. Be all glory, honor, power, dominion, and majesty now and forevermore. Go into the world with your hand on the plow and hold on.